0: Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out, starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. America in the 1920s is known for being a decade of change. Following World War I, the United States was now in a new era of growth. From the thriving jazz rush in the South to the industrial high following the need for military manufacturing after the Great War, it was the decade that brought the moniker Roaring Twenties, Flapper Fashion, and the invention of newer and more modern automobiles other than just the all-black Model T. Apart from the stock market crash and the Great Depression, the early to mid-20s, was a thriving time period for American innovation. And when historians consider the many 19th and 20th century inventors who possessed the ingenuity, courage, and imagination to bring about some of the greatest inventions we still use today, it's certain that popular names like Henry Ford, Nikola Tesla, or Thomas Edison come to mind. But how about someone who would change the way everyday items are built? How about revolutionizing the way the automobile, trains, airplanes are manufactured? Or better yet, the way any multi-part item is adhered together. I think most would agree that someone who would make that big of a splash in history, anyone would ultimately recognize his or her name and honor that pioneering mind, right? So when I say the name John P. Thompson, does that ring a bell? Do you immediately think of an invention or associate his name with something historic? I know some of you basketball fans out there are probably thinking about the legendary Georgetown men's basketball coach John Thompson, but that's not who I'm referring to. Little is known about John P. Thompson, but a little bit is enough to make quite the impact. Thompson was born in Iowa in the mid-19th century and moved to Portland in the 1920s, where he was quite the handyman, working as a carpenter, laborer, and eventually an auto mechanic. His skills didn't end there, though, as census records indicate that he worked as a bank cashier and in real estate. But it wasn't his time as a cashier that brought his eventual impact on history. It was a problem while he was an auto mechanic that inspired him to solve an ongoing issue. As he began to attach certain parts to each other, the typical problem with the flathead screw and driver occurred multiple times a day. Put too much torque into the driver, and the head of the screw would give way, stripping the screw, causing the driver to go flying, and subsequently, the immediate damage to the mechanic's knuckles on anything nearby. Also, if the driver wasn't perfectly set into the slot of the screw, the inevitable wobble would occur, driving the screw improperly into its target, and many parts would be damaged and hundreds of screws would have to be thrown out. The shift to automated manufacturing in the 1920s really revealed this weakness of using this single slotted flathead screw. The need for a different adhering technology was paramount. Because, let's face it, do I want to drive a car down the road or be in a plane knowing the mechanics could only torque a screw down to a certain capacity? No thanks. So Thompson thought if there was a way that he could drill another line across the flathead screw, there would be more points of contact with the driver and eventually more torque could be applied without slippage. The Phillips head screw and screwdriver were born his design dramatically increased the speed of manufacturing and made the phillips screwdriver a necessity in every toolbox thompson got patent rights on a screw with an innovative cross also known as a cruciform groove and a matching screwdriver in 1932. this wasn't the first screw of its kind though because english inventor john Frierson had patented a screw with a cruciform orifice some 60 years earlier but thompson's invention certainly popularized the make and name of the screw and driver forever. But I'm sure you're asking yourselves, okay, that's all well and good, but when I'm putting together a directionless 250-piece furniture set, I don't ask someone to grab a Thompson screwdriver, I call for a Phillips screwdriver. Why aren't they called Thompson screwdrivers? Well, when the patents were granted in 1933, for whatever reason, the rights were assigned to Henry F. Phillips, the managing director of the Oregon Copper Company. What's interesting is that the wording on the patent itself directly awarded the invention to Henry Phillips, even though Thompson is credited with the invention. And there's really no information why Thompson transferred the rights to Phillips, but some believe there may have been a working relationship between Phillips and Thompson before the patent process. Phillips, being a businessman himself, and obviously quite the marketing man, must have known what he invested in and the financial opportunity he had because immediately after gaining the first two patents he formed the phillips screw company in portland in 1933. he smartly licensed the design to manufacturers and began collecting royalties in the next four years the phillips screw company obtained six additional patents modifying the design and by 1936 the screws available to customers the first industrial consumer general motors They put it to good use right away, designing and building Cadillac automobiles in 1937 with the ultra-efficient, ultra-safe Phillips design. The Phillips screw became synonymous with safety and security, as manufacturers marketed the idea that the Phillips head could be driven with more torque and be self-corrected. And with the advent of automated screwdrivers to engage in self-correct, this saved time and reduced waste produced by errors with flathead screws. Soon after, it was adopted by the railroad and aviation industries, but it wasn't without hesitation. When he proposed his idea to a group of engineers, they said it couldn't be done, because they thought that if they stamped a recessed X into the screw head, it would compromise the metal and defeat the purpose of the idea altogether. But their boss, convinced that this Phillips screw would work, told them to figure it out or be fired. By 1939, 20 companies worldwide purchased licenses to produce and use Phillips screws. And in 1940, the Phillips screw company grossed $77,421, which is equivalent to $1.3 million in today's currency. And almost all of it was from royalties. By then, the Phillips screw was in use by nearly every major American automobile, railroad, and airplane manufacturer. So. The next time you reach for a Phillips screwdriver, give credit where credit is due. The marketing abilities of Henry Phillips, yes, but the focus should be on the -the behind-the-scenes ingenuity of the Phillips head screw, John P. Thompson, so much so that you could call him a backseat driver. This has been A Missing Chapter Short, your quick fix for one of history's forgotten stories in a busy world. Listen to more shorts as well as full-length episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast providers.